1: Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? ...of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Price Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepix.com slash play100 and use code PLAY100. That's code PLAY100 at prizepix.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy.
2: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network... Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts.
1: It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse,
3: and football.
0: Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about five-star wing Isaiah Jackson and a brutal loss for the Syracuse basketball team. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Andrew Cowie, and our guest today is Adam Zagoria from Zag's Blog and the New York Times. Adam, thank you so much for coming back on the program.
3: Sure, Wes. How are you doing today, buddy?
0: I'm doing well, Adam, and Syracuse fans are getting excited about 2025 star wing Isaiah Jackson, who will decide on November 16th between Syracuse, Alabama, and Kentucky. You've gotten to see him play. What kind of skill set does he have, and does he have an NBA career ahead of him?
3: Yeah, I saw him this summer at uh, Peach Jam West, and I was really impressed. Um, you know, I mean, he's a whatever he is six eight, six nine. You know, long, athletic forward who runs the floor and is really dominant around the basket. And um, you know, I've been talking to his dad, and uh, you know, I definitely think he has a, a pro you know chance at a pro career ahead of him. They're kind of keeping the recruitment close to the vest. Um, you know, his dad told me he stays in touch with Coach Beheim and Coach Autry, and then he also talks to John Calipari and and Coach Oates at Alabama. You know, they just visited Alabama. Um, you know, my sense is the Syracuse staff doesn't really have a you know a strong feeling on where he's going to go, and you know he could go to any of those schools, but you know, keep in mind Kentucky doesn't really have a front court uh, yet for 2020. So, um, you know, that's always something, you know, when Kentucky's in the race, you gotta, you gotta keep that in mind.
0: Do you have a gut feeling or prediction of where he'll end up right
3: now? You know, I usually do have a prediction and a, and a gut feeling, but I'm going to hold off in this case, cause I really don't know. I mean, you know, his last visit was to Alabama. Um, his father spoke glowingly to me about Alabama and said, um, and said, uh, you know, they're going to offer to build a program around him and he'd be the face yeah. of the program. So I think they like that. Uh, you know, Kentucky's Kentucky, obviously. And then, um, you know, Syracuse they, is another option. But I think Kentucky only having the one frontcourt player, uh, Lance Ware from New Jersey, is, you know, they're obviously in the market for a couple more frontcourt guys.
0: Let's shift topics and talk about Kadari Richmond. He committed to Syracuse in late October. What do you like about his game, and how do you see him doing at Syracuse?
3: You know, he's a New York City kid. West, he started at um, South Shore in Brooklyn. Um, I saw him, you know, uh, last year when he was there, and he just, you know, he just stands out as a big, you know, six foot five guard. Um, he can play multiple positions. He can play the two, three, or four. You know, he's at Brewster in um, New Hampshire now, which is obviously one of the top prep school programs in the country. I think Syracuse kind of envisioned him, um, you know, playing the small forward position and playing in the front court.
0: You know, Adam, Kadari Richmond ended up at Syracuse because their original target, Andre Jackson, committed to Connecticut. The two of them are going to get compared a lot as a result by Syracuse fans. How do you compare the two of them?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, um, I mean, I guess Andre's a little bigger. He's about maybe six, 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 seven. I think Kadari's listed as six, five. You know, I don't think either one of them is considered, like, a sure-fire, you know, NBA player or anything like that. They're both going to have to work, you know, to get where they want to go. Um, I think Syracuse sees Kadari playing, you know, multiple positions, two, three, and four, Play a small forward. Um, I think Andre can play kind of, you know, four positions, and it's more of a slasher, um, defensive player who has to work on his shot. Um, so, you know, I think I think in, in light of the fact that Syracuse did not get Andre, you know, getting Kadari is, is a great get for them.
0: Adam, we'll get you out of here on this one. Earlier in the week, news came out about Seton Hall tampering with former Syracuse forward Torian Thompson with two coaches being suspended. What's the latest going on there?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird deal because, you know, this happened two years ago when Sporian transferred. I believe it was, like, he left Syracuse in August of 2017, and then uh, Seton Hall announced he was coming in September 2017, so it's been a couple of years. Um, obviously, Syracuse wasn't happy with how that went down. They got left in the dust, you know, in August when it's hard to replace a player. If it had happened in the spring, you know, Coach Bayham and the staff could have gone out and gotten somebody. Uh, My understanding is it um, has to do with Shaheen Holloway's uncle's relationship um, with, with Thompson. I know that, you know, Shaheen was actively recruiting Torian um, to Seton Hall. And I think, you know, Syracuse from what I understand, you know, turned in, turned in, you know, Shaheen and Seton Hall. And now first Kevin kind of took the fall and did two games. One of them was an exhibition and, then he set out the opener, and now he'll come back Saturday against Stony Brook, and now it's reached St. Peter's, where Shaheen is the head coach, and um, you know he's getting four games.
0: Adam, thanks so much for coming back on the program again. Adam Zagoria from Zag's blog in the New York Times. Adam, enjoy the start of the college basketball season. We'll speak with you soon.
3: Thanks, Wes. Anytime, buddy. Take care.
0: Great stuff from our friend Adam Zagoria. Always a pleasure to talk to him about recruiting. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Senior College Basketball Analyst and 2003 National Champion, Andrew Cowie. Andrew, always a pleasure to have you on. How are you today?
2: Wes, I'm doing great. I hope the same for you.
0: You know, Andrew, I was doing a little bit better until I watched that Syracuse Virginia game on Wednesday night, forty-eight to thirty-four. Syracuse hasn't had that kind of offensive output since World War II. It's just a brutal game to watch. What were your general observations from the game?
2: Yeah, that was not uh, that was not a great watch. As a Syracuse fan, and even if you're just a neutral and a fan of college basketball, that was a tough game to watch. Um, you know, I, I actually had talked to Melo a couple of days before the game, and he had mentioned to me that uh, we were trading some texts. He mentioned that he was going to go to the game, and then I sent him a note uh, after the game I said, Hey, I think you scored more points in the semifinals against Texas than we did tonight. So... Uh, <laughs> It, it wasn't, uh, it, it was tough. You know, I know what Behan said after the game. You know, Virginia is not a team you really want to play when you're trying to figure out your offense and, and first game of the year. I, you know, I can't disagree with that. I mean, I can't disagree with that at all. I mean, he's, he's totally right. I mean, you watch that game, and, and just Virginia just knows how to play defense. It's what they do, it's great on ball defending, great help defense and that's going to take us out of rhythm and when you're trying to figure things out figure out the right rotation and figure out where guys best spots are um it's not good. it's not ideal that said though you know I thought it was a game that we because I don't think Virginia's that great just from watching them either and I thought it was a game that we could maybe sneak and sneak by a win early obviously early in the season that will pay dividends later down you know, down the road as as you look at your resume for March Madness. So um I was hoping we could we could just sneak away with an ugly win, but uh it wasn't meant to be last night. It was uh it was tough to watch.
0: Yeah, it wasn't an ugly one. It was just ugly, as people like to say. And, and hey, look, you scored 34 points. If you're on that coaching staff, what are you doing to jumpstart this offense? What is Coach Beheim going to do in the next few games, which are cupcakes, to make sure that this doesn't happen again?
2: Right. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure how cupcake it is. That's yeah, one of the things I think a little bit of a worry. I think I think these games coming up while at home and against what you you know, used to be kind of my favorite games, right? Games that I was I knew I was gonna get some good minutes against Colgate and, and Cornell's of the world. Uh <laughs> but you know, these could be these could be a little bit more difficult than maybe imagined. You know, I think one of the things, you know, one thing I know about Bayheim is, is while he is known obviously around the country, you know, as a two three zone and that's what you know, people know Bayheim for, he's an offensive minded coach. He is he likes offensive players, he likes pure you know, great shooters, great knowledge of, uh, you know, offensive savants like a Carbello, like a, you know, a Lawrence Moton and a Preston Shumper, that these guys that can hit with shots from multiple areas. So, I know, I know, a game like that really frustrates him. And what I see is that I think he's going to be playing around with the starting lineup a lot. That uh, I, I think he knows that the, the current starting lineup is not an offensive team uh with Doge and Carey um they're just they're just it's not really I don't, I just don't see them as pure offensive players so I think you're going to see possibly in these next three or four games uh some shuffling around uh that's going to get more of a pure offensive team out there and that will hopefully open up uh you know shots for other guys
0: Andrew, I'm glad you mentioned the starting lineup. You actually just talked about Jalen Carey, and he really struggled running that offense. They were stuck at two points until Joe Girard entered the game. Girard only shot one of six, but you can see that the moment wasn't bigger than him. He displayed plenty of toughness in Moxie. I see Girard becoming the new starting point guard in the very near future. Do you agree?
2: I think you're right. I think Girard, you know, freshman first game, he looked poised. He looked like the stage wasn't too big. You know he a you know tough on on ball defending and, and handles the ball well. He he's just um, you know you don't think it's going to get taken from him or anything like that. So I, I really do think you know he's going to be the starter just because what happens is is really the the, the only player I see is maybe Elijah Hughes that can kind of really create his own shots. And if you need a one on one situation and need a bucket, he can do that. And for him to be effective, he needs guys around him that can still score so having gerard and buddy in and then i think even Dolge might get less playing time uh if they can find another score in there because they buddy and gerard need need space to get their shot open and, and can't really create on their own but if you get three or four offensive players in there they're all good shooters that that's just going to Get the rhythm going, and it's hard to guard three or four shooters. It's hard for a defense, you know, a normal defense, to to be a, to to guard three to four shooters. And I think that's why um, he's going to have to kind of tweak the starting lineup uh, to get more of an offensive mind. And it's going to hurt us defensively, right? It's going to hurt us rebounding. It's going to hurt us, especially on the on the low post. But um, I think I think that's really. You know, our only option, um, you know, going forward.
0: Andrew, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts.
2: Yeah. My closing thoughts, similar to what we talked about, you know, these next three, four games, right. You, you have home games and teams that are not, uh, you know, your powerhouse like Virginia. I mean, I, I think we all need to start watching how he rotates, how quickly he subs guys. You know, you saw the second half with, with Carey, you know, out in about three or four minutes, when does he make the switch for a starting lineup? Because I think um, you know that's going to tell us what ACC uh, play is all about. Because he's he's going to have to have a, you know, that starting lineup and that rotation uh, ready to go once once uh, Big Boy Conference starts.
0: Andrew, my closing thoughts are along the same lines. 34 points, obviously a brutal start, no doubt about it, but it's the first game of the season against the defending national champions, and Syracuse is still figuring out its starting lineups, its rotation, and how to properly space the floor. I would just urge Syracuse fans to remain a little patient as Jim Boeheim figures out how to replace four starters and work in five freshmen. That's it for us for Andrew Cowie. This is Wes Chang reminding you that pumpkin is a nice thing to call someone unless that person is overweight and wearing orange. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time.
1: This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network.